Hey, in our podcast today, we're going to be talking about one of the three members of what Jonathan Kahn calls the Dark Trinity, and that's the spirit of Baal. Baal was associated with prosperity, with fertility, with blessing, uh, and it's no, it should come as no surprise that he was depicted artistically as a bull. Uh, and so when you look at ancient Israel, do, uh, can you think of any situations where there were bulls involved in the apostasy of the nation? Well, we're going to talk about several of those accounts today. But the bigger question is, if Baal were to come to America, what would he look like? Will we find any uh, roving bulls around that could point the direction that maybe we have a problem with greed and lust and materialism? Uh, and basically an apostasy away from God as our provider uh, to money and toward uh, the economy and whatever. Uh, so we're going to look today, how would Baal enter America? Uh, and can we see the signs, uh, at least in our financial sector? So you're not going to want to miss this podcast. Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Hey, well, we're all happy and healthy and holy and skinny around here because <laughs> we just finished uh, our 21 days of uh, Daniel fast, and uh, and I didn't even recognize Matthew. I had to look <laughs> twice because he turned sideways. He said he lost 10 pounds on this thing. And yeah. again, not that we were dieting, but we are about we are about health. Yeah, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And uh, your body is spiritual, so so we're doing spiritual exercises when we're doing physical exercises. Yeah, and we were yeah. all saying too, you know, that, that it's not like we were starving to death. We just no. we, we just took some time away from normal, some of our normal unhealthy foods, maybe, yeah. and uh, spent more time with Jesus. But I want to tie that all into what we're doing here, because you know we're trying to figure out, Lord, how do we battle? Um, the darkness that seems to be growing over America and over the West. Anybody that's paying attention realizes that uh, uh, there's been a radical transformation in the in the wrong sense, and uh, that's why I think this book that we're uh, using for this podcast right now is intriguing. Uh, the Return of the Gods, because Jonathan Kahn is really laying a, a blueprint out for why we're we're experiencing what we're experiencing. It's not really new. That was an eye-opener, as as we're going to see as we talk about these. This this is nothing new. This is ancient demonic stuff, but it's coming back to America. And so we're asking the question, why and how and what does it look like? And I think the biggest question for me is not just a fascination with the the degradation of American culture, but what in the world can we do about it? You know, I mean, books are great and it's very fascinating and all that kind of stuff, but but I'm always looking for answers. And... So I know fasting and prayer uh, is a big part of seeing America return. We really do need a spiritual awakening. And so to that end, I'm excited about our 21 days uh, as a church family uh, and, and you know what that accomplished in us personally and then what God's going to do corporately through the collective prayers of God's people. So mm-hmm. you, uh, you're looking pretty good. You, you, uh, your, I your, didn't your actually didn't lose, I didn't lose any weight because I normally— Eat pretty healthy anyway, so yeah, I didn't have are, much weight to lose. I remember yeah. you and Debbie coming over and making those spring rolls and stuff at our house, yeah. and at first there was like just vegetables and maybe yeah. just yeah. shrimp. You're like there, you though. are on the Daniel fast pretty much any day, <laughs> anyway. I like the yeah. peanut, I like the peanut butter dip though. That was amazing. Yeah. That that is very. good. And we need to do that again, by the way. We haven't done that for a while. That's that's really really tasty and healthy and healthy. Yes. Absolutely. So I got a lot to learn from you, but anyway. I got I got one other thing to say about uh, about Asian culture. Okay, so I'm out at uh, Regent in my graduate work, and I'm 
I go into the cafe. This is in Virginia Beach. Yeah, Virginia Beach. Well, not cafe. It was a, it was a, a room designated for us to eat lunch in. And so <laughs> you either brought your McDonald's from the drive-thru yeah. or you brought something in Tupperware bowls. So I sat down. I forget what I was eating, but I'm sure it wasn't all that healthy. <laughs> and this Asian gal in one of my classes comes in, and she opens up her Tupperware and she takes about three bites, and then she puts the Tupperware lid back on, and I'm looking at her, and I said to her, you cannot be full. <laughs> There's no way you're full. You just had three bites. And yeah. she said something that was absolutely paradigm shifting for, for me as an American. She said, oh, I don't eat till I'm full. I eat until I'm no longer hungry. Mm. I'm like, woo, mic drop. I mean, because... <laughs> Americans, we like we don't eat till we're not hungry. We yeah. eat till we can you not know, put any more in, and then we fall over out of our chair, you know, on right. the floor. But that was just a paradigm shift that like that whole idea that food does not control us. We yeah. eat we eat to deal with our hunger. We don't eat to you know stuff ourselves to the full. Right. It's, it's the difference between uh, live to eat versus eat to live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, wow. I, that was I had to pause. I thought about that for a minute while I had my third floor helping. <laughs> like, good idea. <laughs> That's a great idea. Let's go out for pizza. <laughs> You're really smart while you need a French fries. <laughs> I'm not sure it made an, it made an intellectual impact on me. I'm yeah. not sure it led to life transformation, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> but I think it's it, this idea of indulgence, right? Yeah, does kind of tied into to a little bit of what we're talking about today. Yeah, you know, and and I, as I'm getting older, when I was younger, this is even though I'm Asian, <laughs> when I was younger, I I I ate to eat. I enjoy food. I want to yeah. indulge. I want to be full. As I'm getting older, especially during the daytime, I have been much more um, careful with what I eat because if I eat a lot in the in the middle for lunch, I lose all energy. I cannot think. I cannot right. process. So, so I adapted that idea because. I have to be functional. So we're going to be talking about greed today, but it's interesting that gluttony is really kind of a uh, food greed. Yeah, it's a subset of greed. It is, because you're like, oh, this one taco really tasted great, and I'm no longer hungry, but... Guess what? My meal came with three tacos. <laughs> better one is three tacos. I have an obligation to eat all three yeah. because I don't right. want to waste anything, you right. know. Um, but right. it's interesting how we move from from blessing and prosperity, and we cross the line into the wrong spirit. I think you were talking about that with some business leaders this morning. Yeah. Uh, everything we do, we operate by a spirit, and it's either going to be the Holy Spirit or it's going to be some counterfeit demonic kind of a spirit that's motivating us. Yeah, I was meeting with a bunch of business leaders, business owners, and the idea is when you're in leadership, you, you're influenced by a spirit. You're led by a spirit. And, and because all leadership is spiritual by nature, right? There's something driving you, motivating you. And, and in the marketplace, many times leadership is motivated, driven by greed, by competition, by pride. Yeah. Um, but but it doesn't have to be so. You don't have to be driven by greed or pride or or empowerment or whatever it is to become successful because you can be driven, you can be led by the Holy Spirit yeah. and also be successful. But I think the distinguishing factor is when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you might grow, you should grow, you should be profitable, but being profitable and growing is not your highest priority. I think that's right. where people get confused. You know, and I think people also, we walk this fine line in the church and I deal with it every Sunday. Between God's desire to prosper us, uh, which is a good thing in and of itself, as long as we keep God the center of our lives, Mm -hmm. 
or falling over into this spirit of Baal, which we're going to talk about today, where where you cross over into greed and you're never satisfied and and actually the prosperity kind of sucks the life out of your soul and you begin living for the wrong things and have the wrong priorities. It really is a fine balance because it's like God's God's goal is not to make us uh, live in poverty so that our souls stay good. You know, poverty itself is demonic. You travel all over the world and you see the devastating effects of people that don't have enough food or water or care or housing or whatever. Um, poverty is part of the curse. And yet prosperity, if we don't watch it, can really uh, lead us off the, off the road on the other side of the ditch. And yeah. um, go ahead. I, I will argue that, you know, the parable of the talent is saying that God does, part of his demand of us is to become profitable. Now, the profitability might not be financial means purely profitable in our relationship, profitable in our influence, profitable in our yeah. ability to touch and care for people, but but there is a return that he expects through the parable of talents. But I will also say, like, growing up, I felt like greed and the spirit of greed or lust or ambition or whatever, it's in the marketplace— but that could be in any realm. It could right. be in the church. There, there are churches that operate in that spirit of Absolutely. greed, and and <clears throat> and and there's some non nonprofit charities that's operating through the spirit of greed and yeah. through spirit of ambitions. And some nonprofits are probably more profitable than any through corruption than any profitable. That right. some NGOs. I mean, right. so so uh, you can't just judge what spirit they're led by based on what industry they're or what sector they're in, right? right? You really got to look at the leader and say, what spirit are you led by? Which we all have to look at ourselves and say, what spirit are we led by today? Are we led by the Holy Spirit? I think today we're talking about the the molten beast and talking about the spirit of Baal and how how that spirit impacted Israel. But to go back to Israel, for example, you know, when God delivered them out of Egypt, it was a demonstration of his power and greatness and glory that had never been done before. Uh, after 400 years of slavery, I mean, these people were broke. They they had a victim mentality. They had a slavery culture. Um, you know, they they had no vision for the future. And it's just amazing that God not only delivered them from Egypt, but He plundered Egypt, and they left there mm-hmm. as they went from being broke to being incredibly wealthy. Yeah. The gold and the silver and the garments and all that they took from Egypt. And again, that God did that. God yeah. blessed them supernaturally um, and in, a, in an amazing way. And then what you see is they got comfortable with the wealth and they got comfortable with the blessings of the Lord and they, they lost connection with the source of those blessings. And then they began uh, compromising with that Spirit of Baal. We're talking about the the dark trinity, and we've introduced the first of those three, and that's the spirit of Baal. And so we see that Israel uh, grad, gradually started living for increase in profit and gain only. And if Baal's job was to bring fruitfulness to fields and vineyards and basically agricultural blessing, then why not mix a little Baal in and cover our bases? And that's exactly what they began to do is compromise their hearts toward the Lord and toward God's commandment and God and the kingdom culture. Mm. And before you know it, they are in full-blown idol worship. And so Jonathan Kahn as asking the question again, what would what would it look like if Baal came back to America? And um and he he points out the obvious. Americans have been blessed by more by God and through uh, our biblical principles than any other nation in the history of nations. 
And it should not come as a surprise that we would be tempted to turn from the Lord and to begin pursuing uh, ec- economic prosperity and making an idol out of it. And it's interesting, he says, you know, God, and of course in the Bible, is called the Almighty God. And in America, we have called our currency the Almighty mm-hmm. Dollar. Uh, it's an interesting choice of words, whether it's intentional or not. We've clearly shifted our allegiance from God Almighty to the Dollar Almighty, uh, which is a sign, again, of idolatry and a sign of that spirit that's at work even in our you know, nation today. And we see this, as you point out, this is not just in the halls of business. Um, this has permeated every aspect of American culture. Um, there's not one part of our culture, including the church, that has not been impacted by the spirit of greed. And, you know, um, money defines and wealth defines our faith, our blessing from the Lord, our favor, and all that kind of stuff. You know, the whole prosperity gospel yeah. that crept for, in. For church, it could be attendance. It'd be numbers. Yeah, It'd yeah, be, yeah. You know, which the reflect, size of your building, size, uh, yeah, and, and any of that. When you when those things becomes the highest priority, they should be a degree <laughs> of priority. Yeah, we do want to see growth, but when they become the highest priorities, we have to. That, that's a. There should be a little you no know, engine light. Check engine light shows up that says, "Hey, what what spirit are you worshiping? Or spirit are you influenced by? Led by?" Right. And the way I think God pushes those buttons is, you know, is when He asks us to give, and that's that to me is the counterbalance. I, I share a lot of times. You got You can't fulfill the command to be generous if you don't have anything to be generous with. So God's not after our, our poverty, but He'll constantly challenge our our independence and challenge those idols in our heart. And I think the way that he does it is the Holy Spirit will speak to us and say, hey, I want you to take that money I just blessed you with and give it to this brother over here, or give it to this ministry. And and then it's a really a gut check at that point, like uh, who's in charge of this money, me or the Lord? Well, I'm going to add to that. So I think definitely in terms of the, in the church, you know, in terms of finances is to give, right? But I think just came to me another check on whether at least in the church setting, whether you just want to big, build a bigger is is having the greatest audience is your greatest is your highest priority. The check is whether you want to speak the truth, right? Because if I say something, will it offend so many so many people, and they might leave, and so you know all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying we should again go all the way to offend people, but when right. we don't speak the truth because of numbers, yeah. That's another check that we have to kind of <laughs> say what spirit we led by. Yeah. We we have plenty of idols we have to fight in the local, <laughs> Navigate in the local through, church, yeah. let alone in the business world. But right. he's pointing out, Jonathan Kahn, that um, when you go back and you look at Baal in the Old Testament, uh, his preeminent symbol was that of the bull. So, um, Inter- Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. So we look at a couple examples. So first of all, when Israel or when Moses comes down from uh, receiving the Ten Commandments, uh, you know Aaron and all the people were they're like, "Hey, where's Moses? Who is this fellow, the Moses? Where is he? How come he's not down here?" And we all know the story. They 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 literally took the gold that God had blessed them with, and when He delivered them from Egypt, they took the very objects of blessing and they turned it into a golden calf. And they worshiped that golden calf. And we all know the story of when Moses came down and and saw all that was going on. But the point was that calf was a symbol. It wasn't just, hey, let's, what kind of animal can we make? When they made a calf, it was intentional, and it was rooted back to Baal worship that was part of probably the surrounding nations that they had seen. So they were mimicking at that point, as we use the term, hedging their bets. Uh, they, they wanted the prosperity of God. Moses was gone. Hey, let's, 
let's go back to the Canaanite god of, of Baal and see if Baal's going to be our god and help us. And they even said, hey, this is the god who brought us out of Egypt, which was total blasphemy and apostasy. It, it's very interesting because I've never understood that concept before. Because if you were like, hey, Andrew, build a false idol, I would not be thinking like a cow. Right. Right. But now it, it makes sense it makes because sense. they're literally worshiping a form of Baal. Right. You know. Right. Because, yeah, it could have been like, you know, do something like a lion or yeah, a be tiger like, or bear. Yeah, something ferocious. Oh, my. But, but, a, but a cow? <laughs> I guess bulls are pretty ferocious, but I'm with yeah, you. I don't handle bulls that much. So. <laughs> the bull embodied, uh, yeah. they're obviously powerful beasts and also his connection to fertility. And so uh, when you look again at Wall Street in America, when you think of Wall Street, you think there's been lots of movies that have come out that highlight the just unbridled greed that happens in Wall Street. Um, but it was interesting because uh, he says the the prosperity of the stock market had long been tied to the prosperity of America as a whole. It was therefore striking that the symbol that had come to embody the prosperity of the stock market and America was the bull. And so we even talk about in, in investing bull markets and bear markets. Um, you know, the bull market's the one you want you want to be in, right? When the market's taken off and it's strong and you're making all kinds of money. And so uh, if the American stock market appeared to be heading toward increased gain and prosperity, it was the market of the bull or the bull market. And so uh, he talks about this word, the egel in the Hebrew uh, and the apostasy, and he goes back to another occurrence in Bible times, and you can find this if y'all are listening and following along and got your Bibles, you can open up to First uh, Kings chapter 12, and beginning in verse 25, uh, because we see whenever uh, Israel was apostatizing, turning from the Lord, rejecting God, it's often associated with this bull again that emerges, and this is another example. This is the story of uh, Jeroboam, once he became uh, the ruler, he made this comment. He said, unless I'm careful, the kingdom will return to the dynasty of David. And when these people go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord, uh, they will again give their allegiance to King Rehoboam of Judah. So this was a, a split kingdom at that point. He says, they're going to kill me and they're going to make him king instead. So on the advice of his counselors, the king made two gold calves. That's that word, egal, uh, E-G-A-L. Uh, and he said to the people, it is too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. So there's that apostasy again, claiming that these molten cows, right, molten calves made by human hands were actually responsible. But again, it wasn't the cows themselves or the calves. It was the spirit behind them. It was, it was the spirit of Baal uh, that was creeping in once again. Uh, and so he said he placed these calf idols in Bethel and in Dan, at either end of his kingdom. But this became a great sin for the, for the people who worshiped the idols, traveling as far north as Dan to worship the one there. And I want to show something, because I think this is a picture of kind of the woke church today. Jeroboam also erected buildings at the pagan shrines and ordained priests from the common people and those who were not from the priestly tribe of Levi, as, as the Lord instructed. He also made up his own religious festival in Bethel, held on the 15th day of the eighth month, in imitation of the annual festival of shelters, which God had established uh, you know, in Judah. There at Bethel, he himself offered sacrifices to the calves, and I want to see this, the calves he had made, and he appointed priests for the pagan shrines 
he had made. So the difference between God-centered religion and man-centered religion is, number one, you see political gamesmanship here. Mm -hmm. You see political politics here, as you pointed out. We don't want to offend the people. We want to make sure the people love us, support us, whatever. So we're going to create our own system of worship to appease the people. And we're going to invoke the spirit of Baal uh, to uh, it basically entice people that if they'll if you'll worship the way we've set this up, then you'll be blessed. God, this God of Baal will take care of you. And so we have open apostasy here taking place in Israel. Um, and so once again, we see the impact of this male calf, young bull, idol, gold idols worship, uh, and it, it go, takes us right back to a, a sign of. Israel's departure from God. Um, also, in Second Kings, and this is where Jonathan Kahn mentions this, uh, kind of a summary statement. It says, They rejected all the commands of the Lord their God and made two calves from metal. They set up an Asherah pole. We're going to get to that in future chapters. And they worship Baal and all the forces of heaven. So that's the connection between the calves and Baal worship. And I love uh, the Message Bible because it states it in a language that... Uh, uh, is very easy for us to understand. It says they threw out everything. They, they threw out everything God, their God, had told them and replaced them with two statues shaped like bull, uh, bull calves and then a phallic pole for the whore goddess Asherah. They worshiped cosmic forces, sky gods and goddesses. They frequented the sex and religion shrines of Baal. They even sank so low as to offer their sons and daughters as sacrificial burnt offerings. They indulged in all the black arts and magic and sorcery. In short, they prostituted themselves to every kind of evil available to them, and God had enough. And so he asked the question, if America was now the nation that was departing from God, and if the spirit of Baal had now come to indwell it, is it possible that the sign of Baal would follow? And that sign did follow. Let's talk a little bit about the... Uh, the sign of the bull that landed in America at the very heart of our financial district. Yeah, and I, I've been to Manhattan. I've been to the financial district, and I've seen that bull itself. But, of course, when I saw it, I didn't think Yeah, you just thought it was a piece of art or whatever. Yeah, it was just a big golden golden calf. Or it wasn't a calf, a bull, golden bull in the middle of cars and but skyscrapers. I, th and I think what I find to be amazing is the, is the way Jonathan Kahn makes connections between actual history... Um, and the, the, you know what's happening to ancient Israel and the parallels, I guess, are what's happening in American history because he says at the very spot where this giant you know, bull was, was erected, this was a bronze bull, just like the bronze you know, uh, bulls of the ancient you know, apostasy that happened with Israel. Um, he said at the very spot, uh, the sign appeared. It was the site, the site of its materialization was the financial district of the New York City, just outside the New York Stock Exchange on Wall Street. It appeared in December of 1989. It was massive, 11 feet tall, 16 feet long. It weighed over 7,000 pounds, and it was a molten image in the form of a giant beast, a bull, the sign of Baal. Mm. He says it would remain in the city's financial district, not far from the stock exchange, and the most massive concrete symbol ever to represent Wall Street. Thus, the sign of Baal, the god of increase and gain, would be linked to the New York Stock Exchange, America's house of increase and gain. 
The image was described as, quote, a symbol of aggressive financial optimism and prosperity. One observer even described the molten creature as, quote, an angry, dangerous beast. Another described it as embodying an aggressive, even belligerent force. And so when you look at this, it's almost more than just a nice little statue. There's yeah. almost a spirit behind it. Yeah, it was aggressive. It definitely is very aggressive. Snarling, Snarling. nostrils. Yep. And, um, yep. But the point is, this: how does this bull happen to show up again right in our financial district at a time of un- unparalleled prosperity? I mean, in the, we're coming out of the 80s, the Reagan years. This, this was a time of incredible blessing financially. Uh, and again, we're looking for those those open doors, right? When the enemy comes back with seven, seven times stronger because you, uh, uh, you you swept the house clean, but you you know there's no, nobody there to occupy it. So if America is apostatizing, should it be a surprise that we see the ancient symbol of Baal right in the very financial district? And, and the other point he brought out that I thought was incredibly fascinating. This is also the place where there's a statue of George Washington, because this was the place where America made its constitution and covenant with God Almighty. This was like the very beginning of American history, uh, America as a nation. Uh, And so when you place this giant uh, bull, a symbol again of Baal, whether we know it or not, uh, right at the place where George Washington, um, you know, gave his speech about American prosperity and so forth and so on at the, the, this ground that was sacred ground, uh, it really represents, again, a massive turning away from our roots. Uh, and I think that's the point Khan's trying to make. Um, he says, um, after being sworn in, Washington delivered a prophetic warning. He said, in effect, if America ever turned away from God and his eternal laws, its blessings would be removed. And uh, he said it was also an echo of John uh, Winthrop, the Puritan leader's earlier warning. He said, but if our hearts shall turn away so that we will not obey God, but we shall be seduced and worship and serve other gods, our pleasure and our prophets and serve them, uh, Winthrop said, we shall surely perish. And so this is like rich ground. This is foundational ground where America was established by people who pointed us toward the Lord and covenant with God and both warned, if we ever turn away, uh, we're going to perish. And now we have this giant Baal symbol uh, in the heart of uh, some of these our most historic and sacred spots in America. And you wonder why New York City is kind of the uh, stronghold for some of these activism and oh. movements because there is a shrine. There's a physical uh, stronghold, like spiritual stronghold, enshrined in their most powerful or most um, populous area. Yeah, Manhattan. well, they, you know, um, New York is is the eastern gateway to America, and as a gateway, that's, that's also a prophetic symbol. So whatever happens in, uh, in New York City often is a indication of what's happening nationwide. Um, and so, and he'll get into, I don't want to get ahead of, of ourselves yeah. with this book, but he gets into a lot of other symbols that have been erected in New York City that go right back to Baal worship. So um, it should come as no surprise that the, the gateway to our nation is going to experience some of these things. Um, uh, he talks about the ancient bulls were often made of bronze, and so was the bull that appeared in New York City. It was an incarn- American incarnation of Baal. It was the American version of the golden calf. And he asked this question, what about the return of Baal to the modern world? Um, What was his deeper impact on America and the West? That's the final question he asked at the end of that chapter. 
So, um, again, trying to look at ancient parallels compared with real life, what's going on now, that's a pretty powerful picture. I just want to kind of chime in. You know, maybe you're listening to this book. You're like, well, good thing I don't have a molten cow in my (laughs) bedroom that I'm bowing down three times a week to. Yeah, I don't think, you know, you might, unless you're a literal pagan, you don't have that. Most Christians aren't bowing down to the golden calf in their bedroom. Um, but, but it's, it's more devious than that. Right. It's a spirit of worshiping. It's, it's the spirit of saying my provider is money. Yeah. My provider is myself. My provider is my resources or my yeah. talent, my, my ability, investments. my investments. Yeah. And that's tricky because we've been socialized to just normalize that type of worship. And again, we don't call it worship. And, and there is a place for good financial wisdom and prosperity and all that. And that's why it's kind of subtle. It's one of those socialized things that we say is not that bad of a thing. Yeah. Whereas this book, to me, has really exposed that it is evil. It is bad when we don't make that distinction. And because, because it's not just like we're compromising a little bit. We're, we're worshiping. We're operating out of a complete different spirit, which leads to all kind of issues. And you talk about child sacrifices, and most Christians aren't doing, obviously aren't doing that. But could we be neglecting our time with our family because of work, because our dependence, our worship to work? Could we be right. neglecting our our focus on our kids? And, and and again, I'm not. This is not for condemnation or judgment. That's not my heart at all. But I, I think it gives a different perspective. I just don't want us to think, oh, well, I'm good because there's no golden calf in my house. Right. But is that spirit that's been so normal for American culture for decades has that influenced you? And and. And when you are operating, when you're leading, when you're going to work, what spirit are you operating by? I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves. And I think it's why the Lord in his wisdom says, <clears throat> the way you check your heart is make sure that you give me the first tenth of what I bless you with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are all kinds of admonitions um, in the Bible about giving, different offerings, uh, caring for the poor. I mean, these are all things that are really gut checks on uh, kind of the gu- the guardrails that God's placed around us. Um and, you know, he even says, uh, bring me, you know, the first fruits, bring me uh, what's mine, uh, the tithe. And, I'm, and cha- he challenges us there in Malachi. Will I not open the, the heavens and pour out a blessing on you that's so great you're not going to be able to contain it? Yeah. So the, the heart of God is never, like I said, poverty. The heart of God is always blessing. But he's always got to walk the fine line between us turning, you know, having the gold calf show up in our bedroom or in our backyard or wherever uh, uh, where we begin to, to, to worship that in our workplace, uh, putting our confidence again in our job or whatever instead of our confidence in the Lord to provide for us. So yeah. I think just that's why I say the learning to give, learning to honor, learning to be faithful in what God's blessed you with, learning to be a generous person. Uh, these are all things that help just guard our hearts and keep us in a place of blessing, but but keep us from, again, apostatizing and worshiping the gift more than the giver. Yeah, I, I was just talking to a, a business owner, and he's making a strategic change in his business that will cost him a lot of resource from from the from from normal people's perspective. Yeah, and it it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not like a. A, a natural investment. It's not like a normal investment. It's really investment in his people. But it, is, it comes with a, because we ran through the numbers, it comes with a hefty price, both time and money. But but these strategic moves, because it's the right thing to do, is what God want, 
it's God honoring way to run his business. Yeah. And and even for me, who's just kind of from outside looking in, it's like, oh, I'm not sure you want to make an investment. And he says something that really hit me. He's like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is an investment. And and that is, those are kind of the courageous decisions that we're called to make um, wherever you are. You might be wealthy, you might be less wealthy, but th- these type of courageous decisions you make to say, hey, you know what? That doesn't actually make sense maybe from everyone's perspective, but this is what God's called us to do. This is what the Bible tells us we need to do, so we need to activate that. And those are the things that says we are led by God's Spirit and not yeah. by the Spirit of Baal. So. Yeah. Well, again, I hope this has been helpful today because if we're looking for uh, why is America the way that she is, certainly greed and... Uh, Open door. And, and materialism and just people working day and night chasing the almighty, almighty dollar. There's the phrase again. Um, we've forgotten the source of that blessing, and, and we've forgotten what we're supposed to do with the prosperity we've been given. I always talk about prosperity with a purpose, right? Uh, the reason God blesses us is so that we can bless Him and bless others. And um, once we forget that, man, it's a, it's a quick slide down into a paganism. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, thank you guys for, for watching today. hope this has been helpful. Um, and I hope this is eye-opening as we're looking at why America is in the problem that she's in. So again, I, I'm asking this question just very quickly. So how do we counteract this? You know, we need to we need to sanctify our resources. We need to recognize God as our source, and we need to honor Him with the first fruits of what He has blessed us with. These are all cures, and we need to run businesses differently. We need to invest in our people. Um, there's there's a lot of practical application, I guess, to what we just talked about yeah. um, to make sure we are not falling into that spirit of bail. You know, yeah, I, I have to ask myself daily, what spirit am I operating by? Because you know, I I might not be possessed by bail, but if I'm like stricken with, you know, re, like panic or I feel fear, like yeah. fear, fear, anxiety. Now I'm all of a sudden influenced by a spirit of money instead right. of depending on God. I mean, this is a moment-by-moment moment decision. This yep. is not like one day Andrew just go off the rails, right? right? It's a moment-by-moment moment to say, I'm going to trust in the Holy Spirit. Yep. And I think I think that is the key. Amen. More aware. Amen. So, hey, let's, let's go back and honor the Lord God Almighty and uh, make sure he's the one that we're worshiping and not the almighty dollar. So we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. We've got a great podcast uh, for you. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thursday. All right. Bye-bye.